watching that video, I don't even know if you knew or understood what was going on because that guy was so, so socially awkward, but he had this little track that said Jesus saves on, and he's putting it up on the bulletin board at work. And like, I, I didn't even want him to be able to have a conversation with that lady at that point because it, you just knew that that was not going to go well. He didn't look very prepared at all that, that uh, this conversation was going to go, uh, go well. And I, I, don't know, um, I don't know about you, but maybe for you when it comes to your work and your faith and how those come together and integrate, maybe you feel like that too. Maybe, you, maybe that's somewhat relatable where you're not really sure it feels awkward for you. You're not really sure how to incorporate those things, whether or not they should even be incorporated. And yet we know, at least as Christ followers, we know that one of the expectations for us in our faith is to share our faith. It's one of the missions that Jesus gives all of his disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he tells his disciples to uh, create this exponential um, discipleship growth program that, uh, that's not really what he calls it at all, but that's, that's essentially what happens. It's how the church grows. It's how people find out about Jesus throughout history. He tells them to therefore go out into all the world, make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's the mission that we've been given, and it's part of the package deal with Christianity that we're going to share our faith. And that, coupled with the knowledge that much of our waking hours throughout the entirety of our life are spent at work, kind of comes together to, to help us realize or understand that one of the more significant places that we get to share our faith and kind of live out our Christianity and how that impacts us telling people about Jesus happens in the workplace. Uh, our work is positioned to be our mission field in sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God. And now the idea of sharing our faith and the idea that it would, and the hope that it would lead to life change and that somebody would say, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What must I do to be saved? That question coming to us may sound very nerve-wracking. Um, maybe it, uh, for you, it sounds intimidating. Uh, it may even seem impossible for you in your context. But by the end of this message and taking this whole sermon series, uh, this is the, the last one in the sermon series, but taking it as a whole, I'm hoping uh, that the way that we talk about this will help you understand and kind of bring everything together uh, to, to explain why this is a part of what we do and how it's possible and how, why how we approach this has a lot to do with how those conversations go. And so perhaps it would be helpful to uh, first say what we're not talking about. Because chances are for you, that it's not going to fly well if you go up to a coworker in your context and say, hey, I'd like to tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, how many of you feel like, like that, that's going to be a good thing if I just walk up to a coworker, I don't have a relationship with them, and I just, say, I just say that? You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but just kind of as a rhetorical question. I'm guessing for most of us uh, in our context, like, that doesn't even always work well for me. I, I'm just saying, like... If you don't have a relationship with someone and you just go up and do that, things aren't necessarily going to go the way that you want them with that conversation. Or, like, if you went up to a coworker and said, hey, have you decided whether or not you're going to hell? Like, I don't know. I just, my professional opinion, I wouldn't recommend that approach. Um, I, 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 wouldn't, 
I wouldn't suggest that, or maybe pinning a track on a bulletin board. Like, arguably, those things are, are, are not good options for us when it comes to sharing our faith. Uh, but since we know that it's something that we're called to do and our opportunities at work are plentiful, like figuring out what that looks like and how we should go about it is, is important. Work provides ample opportunity for us to live out the life that we were called into as Christians. And so throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible, as we read scripture and we see real life examples of how we put our faith into practice, that includes our work as well. Uh, and there are constant reminders of a broken world in our work for us to be able to make a difference in how we live out our Christian life too. Here's some of the common ethical issues in the workplace that maybe you have run into, maybe you've seen, uh, observed, and had issues with yourself. Uh, mis- misusing company time, abusive behavior, employee theft, lying to employees, violating company internet policies, unethical leadership, toxic workplace culture, unrealistic and conflicting goals, compliance issues, and taking credit for the work of others. I mean, these are some of the sin-broken world effects that we have that, that come into and mess with our work. And then there, there are the interpersonal issues that regularly come up as well. You ever had a disagreement with somebody at work? Or your company ever go through a, a round of layoffs? Or somebody gets sick and they don't show up? or you have work anxiety and pressure because of a deadline that's coming up, um, or maybe your kids are sick, or somebody, an employee's kids are sick, and it makes everything else kind of wonky because of something you have going on. Maybe there's physical or emotional affairs that happen in the workplace. Maybe there's a divorce that somebody's going through. Um, all the things that kind of come along and up the ante for how we feel about our work and how we feel about who we're working with. And these are all opportunities for us to be able to share the gospel. And every single one of these issues and more, I mean, we could keep going down the list. All of us can think of examples that we've been through. The solution isn't simply just implementing better processes. And so, that, like, that's not the thing that's going to fix everything when it comes to our work. It's actually about getting at the root and character uh, of the character and the nature of us as workers ourselves and as Christ followers who we're called to be and Jesus Christ as the solution. You can have perfect processes and have them undermined by people who fall into temptation. And so it's not, it's not just implementing a better way of working for us, it's about having a different response for these things. And, and just to be clear, I'm not talking about this purely from a standpoint of if you incorporate Judeo-Christian values into your workplace, then you'll be blessed and your work will thrive and all of those kinds of things. I, I mean, those are true and there are principles throughout Scripture, particularly in the wisdom writings, that we can put into practice that will make our work a better situation. But it's not just about the end results of, of that. It's more about how we go about our work based on the why we do what we do. In other words, our coworkers need us to know how to live out the good news of the kingdom of God. When our coworkers are struggling with ethical decisions or how they handle their relationships with other employees that are harmful to the company or when their kid is sick or their marriage just fell apart or they lost a loved one or they're being harassed, our living out the new creation life to which we've been called identifies us as people who have a hope worth sharing and worth seeking out among our coworkers. It's how we're prepared and positioned to be the person that those who need help can find godly wisdom for what they're facing. And it's part of how we share the gospel. 
check out uh, Paul and how he describes the approach to work for the congregation in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4. He writes this. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family through Macedo throughout all Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business, work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be independent on anyone. Um, now, for me, when I read this passage, I, I really appreciate this passage uh, for, the, for the depth of understanding, I think, that it comes to how it affects how we think about our work, how, it think, how we think about our value and what we produce, and this call to this quiet life. It, it, to me, it makes me think of hobbits. Um, and if you guys are a fan at all of the Lord of the Rings and how the opening sequence and the description of the hobbits and the fellowship uh, of the ring, anybody with me at all on that? I mean, and so, like, there are some days where I just want to be a hobbit, you know, where you're tilling good green earth, you're at peace, you're just kind of hanging out, eating and drinking and spending time with family. Like, let, let's, let's live that hobbit life. And, and so it's not purely what Paul is talking about here, but it's certainly a countercultural description for both Paul's audience and for us. Because the ambition to leave a quiet life or a peaceful life is what Paul is talking about here, um, is not necessarily something that we're culturally called to. That, that's, that's not representative of the group think for most of the people in our society. Um, how we love each other as fellow Christ followers, how we hold on to the peace that passes understanding this quiet life that Paul talks about, um, how we attend and approach our work, not being lazy, all these things translate into success on the kingdom of God scale for our efforts in life. It leads to recognition of the wise way of living God gifts us with. And this happens through our work when we put this into practice. The joy of exercising our faith with this in mind is that as we discover God's calling in our lives and learn more about our giftedness and the good works that we've been prepared in advance to do, is that there is no insignificant job or career path. That regardless of what circumstance or situation we find ourselves with in our work, with our job, there, there, there is a worthwhile, purposeful, meaningful mission, uh, job, work that we're called to do as part of the kingdom of God that supersedes and surpasses those things because of how it changes everything for our lives. Uh, one of the things that I think is amazing about our church and our congregation is that uh, we have so many different people from so many different walks of life, um, and, and, and in particular in, in their workplace. We've got people that are um, from you know, minimum wage, across the scale from like, scale from like minimum wage to PhDs, uh, people who are students to CEOs, uh, people from homemakers to retiree volunteers, and, and what's amazing about that is living here in Western Henrico, you know, our mission field is broad. Like, there's so many different people from so many different walks of life, so many different life experiences, demographics, uh, workplaces, the things that they do, white collar, blue collar, and they're all in need of the gospel in all of these areas. All of these areas need good news. And so what that means for us in our job is, like, regardless of what we do, uh, regardless of uh, how we feel about that in the hierarchy of jobs, if you think about yourself in that way, like that's not how God views that in the kingdom of God, that each of those things are meaningful because of what they have the opportunity to be able to share and living out the gospel in those contexts. 
you might be in a position right now where you really aren't loving your job or that the thing you really would enjoy doing just isn't possible at this current stage in your life. But those things don't determine the value that our work has when we're directing our efforts toward others experiencing the goodness of God. Here's a reminder of what this looks like, the lens that we see this through from Timothy Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He writes, the gospel is the true story that God made a good world that was marred by sin and evil, but through Jesus Christ, he redeemed it at infinite cost to himself so that someday he will return to renew all creation and all suffering and death and restore absolute peace, justice, and joy in the world forever. The vast implications of this gospel worldview about the character of God, the goodness of the material creation, the value of the human person, the fallenness of all people and all things, the primacy of love and grace, the importance of justice and truth, the hope of redemption, affect everything, and especially our work. And this redeemed narrative of understanding the world of work shifts the meaningfulness of our calling to, to just a job well done to the good news well lived. And for many of us, this is an important grace of the good news of Jesus, because when our jobs are painful or not producing the gains we were hopeful of, it, it doesn't mean they're any less important. Like, like, it's okay, you don't have to love your job. And, and that's okay for right now if that's where you are, but we all get to love people and steward God's resources through our work. That there's nothing insignificant that we're doing as Christ followers when we're directing our efforts toward God. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, we've used this in the, in the series, but it bears repeating. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. A couple weeks ago, um, when we talked about calling very specifically, one of the things that we talked about is, is how our individual specific calling that God uh, leads us to in our life is born out of a communal calling that we all have together as Christians, that we are all called into this ministry of reconciliation, this vocation that we share together in leading people to knowing and experiencing the good news of who Jesus is. And since we all have the same vocation with respect to God's call in all of our lives, our individual work becomes the service uh, in, our, in our lives and how we glorify God um, with with how our life is redeemed by the new creation life that we live. And while the Bible doesn't outline every single minute detail for how everybody in our unique context in our job, like it has every single piece of advice for what you do, you know, if you're brewing coffee versus leading a Fortune 500 company and it, it doesn't span uh, the, the whole um, of all the in, ins and outs of application for every business career and economic decision that we come across, there are a plethora and plenty of cultural and political and economic and moral and ethical and spiritual issues confronted and given guidance on to direct us in all of those paths. And so I, I just want to give some practical ways in which our faith changes the way we view our work, and it gives us an opportunity to share our faith when we allow our, the way that we view our work to be changed and shifted by the gospel. And, and here's the first thing that's so incredibly important for us, us to understand. Our work life is not separate from our Christian life. There, there is no dualism here, separation between the secular and the sacred when it comes to how we live out our faith, especially not in the way that New Testament teaches us about Christianity and following Jesus. 
But it's easy to settle into because it's not always readily apparent to us to how our work can represent faithfulness to God. But, but here's the thing to understand and kind of think about the way that you approach your, approach your job. For all of us, it's not just me, all of us, our work is ministry. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's, that's all of us together that are part of this, this royal priesthood that God calls us into, that all of us, the way that we live our lives, the way that we approach things, these, these sacrifices, these living sacrifices we're called to be, build up this kingdom of God that we're all called into. Now, most of us do not work for an overtly Christian organization. And, and so the idea here is not that, well, because you don't work for a Christian organization and because, you know, it's not directly tied in a way that you understand to be overtly Christian that you need to quit that and you need to change the name of your business. Like if you make tents, you've got to change them to Paul's Pavilions or something like that. That's a little Bible joke, by the way. Paul made tents on the side. Um, it simply means that we need to be intentional in how we get to apply the hope of the gospel to our field of work. Um, so, so, and understand, like I'm, I'm saying this with, without any kind of, I'm, I'm just going to say it, but the world does not need more Christian branding, for example, but it does need more work that is marked by followers of Jesus, where you can see the hand of Jesus in, in the way that we've approached our work. The good news of the kingdom of God is the lens through which we view this approach. Um, this helps us to identify some of the cultural idols, uh, injustices, sin-driven behavior that we have to work against, and in turn allows us to see the goodness of God's gift of work to cultivate and work for. Here's the second thing. Our work is meant to help others. It's, it's not just about what we can earn by the end of the month or by the end of the year. It's, it's actually something we're called into uh, to impact and affect the people in the world around us. With the right view of the gospel and biblical principle, we come to understand that work isn't just about providing for us, but that there's a mutual responsibility that we share in how we engage with those connected to our work. Um, one of the greatest obstacles in the developing world, uh, for example, is corruption. And if you've ever tra traveled overseas, you've probably seen some of those things where, you know, oh, well, to go in this, this place, this official expects a bribe. Or we can think about so many different examples of foreign aid being sent somewhere and then just millions and billions of dollars just for some reason disappear and nobody knows where they go uh, because of, of, you know, just the way sinful human nature sometimes takes, takes things to their worst extent because they're concerned about what they can get out of somebody else, not about how they're helping uh, the, their community or the world. One of the experiences I had in Ghana is we were uh, traveling, and I spent a couple months over there when I was in college, and we were traveling back to the house, and we were in a taxi ride, and we got back, and our friend who was there who was translating for us, we were getting out of the car, we noticed they were having a pretty heated conversation with the taxi driver, and come to find out that the taxi driver, because of... Um, who he perceived to us to be was trying to give us a, a foreigner tax, if you catch my meaning. And so little did he know we were just poor uh, college kids, but he thought, he thought we had money. I mean, these guys are Americans, so they must, they must be flush with cash. So he was trying to charge a lot more than he was supposed to. 
And, and our translator friend, he was there. He was talking with him, arguing with him. Then all of a sudden, um, and I don't, this taxi driver I don't think was very intelligent because then some of the ladies came over from some of the stalls that they were running, and they started yelling at him and stuff and, and because they really liked us because uh, we would get a cold Fanta every once in a while which is made in a glass bottle which if you don't know, you don't know, but uh, just an amazing thing. And so they were coming out, uh, over to, and, and the guy would not back down, and he went away, at which everybody in that community now looks at him in a very specific way. And so that's something that's going to affect him much longer than just that moment. And it was all because he was driven more by making a little bit of extra money rather than actually trying to do his work well in an ethical fashion. He wasn't interested in doing the best job he could to help his customers as if he was working for God, for example, like we are called to do. This is a problem with the nation of Israel. Uh, it's something they had faced regularly with their religious observances not translating to the results they wanted to see for themselves. And God is very direct about why that is. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3, uh, the nation of Israel says to God, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Skipping down to verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And so, like, the life that God calls us to do is not about religious posturing or lip service. Um, it's not what the world needs, and it's not what God expects from us or the impact that we have in the world. There's real work to be done, and in God's kingdom, the community benefits from the work of godly men and women. And so here's what people need in the workplace, and here's something that we can provide because of how God changes us. People need hard work. People need people who aren't going to be lazy about what they're doing. They need people who are going to be willing to problem solve, who are going to be willing to do something other than just what gets them by in their job. Um, people need hope in their work. They need integrity. They need encouragement. They need friendship. They need service, and they need generosity. And these are things that can be very countercultural for us in our workplace, depending on the values that they're based on and, and things that people can see, because we're not called to just get what's ours, but also help other people in our work as well. And this is the life that's driven by things like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about the Beatitudes and who are blessed based on how they operate. If you don't know uh, about uh, what that is, um, check it out in Matthew chapter 5. Um, this is about the Holy Spirit bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Like those are the things that are poured out not in just one aspect of our lives, not just in our church worship or something like that, but it's in how we serve each other uh, as a church and it's how we serve people in our work. And here's the third thing, um, and, and this, is, this is the really important thing. I think, uh, to be prepared for and to understand that, that comes, comes through when we approach our work this way. Our work uh, provides us with the opportunity to share the gospel. And, and that's something that we should be expectant of and prepared for and hopeful to have happen as Christ followers. 
In Colossians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I mean, part of Paul's work to the gospel has landed him in prison, and even in that context, he's like, hey, I I still want you to keep praying that we have more and more opportunities to share the gospel with other people. Because it's not just about our actions, it's also about what we say and how we answer the questions that people have about why we have the particular hope within us that we do. When we approach our work in this way, there will be gospel conversations in the ways that we've described through the sermon and through the sermon series. It doesn't mean they're going to be softballs. Sometimes they're going to start off like, hey, what makes you think going to church does you any good in your life? Um, Or maybe it's going to be something like, hey, man, um, everyone does this here at this company. Like, why, why won't you be a team player? What's... Why are, you, why are you too good to do this? And then maybe it's about why you're standing firm because of what you know to be true about Jesus. Maybe those are the gospel conversations that you might have. But other times it will be this, when we approach our work in the way that Jesus calls us to. It may be questions like this. Why do you approach your work so diligently? What, what is it about you that makes you different and stick out from other people? Or how do you continue to have peace when things are so chaotic right now with all the things that are going on in our company or for some reason I just feel comfortable talking to you about what's going on in my personal life because I know you don't go around talking about other people and and more I mean those are the kinds of things that end up starting to show up and that you'll see and observe when you approach your work in a godly manner the more you've integrated your faith with your work the easier your contentment And your God-directed wisdom will show through so that you can give an answer of the hope that's within you. And it's when we're directed by the gospel that we have the opportunity to show and tell about the gospel through our work. And that's when the conversation turns to the topic that gives our work meaning. And that's the resurrection of Jesus. That's that God created us and molded us, uh, specifically calls us to meaningfulness and the good gift of, of, of work that he has for, for, for all of us and what makes that, that all possible. When we come across people who feel unfulfilled by work, we get to have the response for that because we know that Jesus is the one who fulfills us. Or we come across people who feel devalued by their work, well, we know that we can trust in the fact that God values us infinitely because he sends Jesus for us. Or people that we come across, maybe they're feeling aimless at work, we know the one who directs our path. And so then we get to be the one who tells people about the brokenness of this world that Jesus washes away for all of us because of his work and what he's done for us. And so this, this, is, this is what happens when we bring, bring our, our Christian living, the life that God has called us um, out of the old life that we lived and into this new life, these principles and these, this new way of living that he's called us into as Christ followers, this is how it makes a difference in what we do and how we interact with the people that are with us when we do what we do um, at, for our job, for our career, for our work, whatever it is for you um, in, in your life as a student, as a, as a 
um, as a homemaker, as a retiree, as a volunteer. Like, we're not just talking about only the things that you do for money. Uh, this is the work that we take place in our life. And we get to share the gospel as part of it, uh, something that we can be expectant of and prepared for in our life. And so um, right now we're going to, like every week at Velocity, we're going to prepare for a time of communion. Uh, but while we do that, I, I just want to share this as well because this is, this is a part of our work here uh, as a church is, is that there's always an invitation here if you, whether or not you've been struggling with faith or what you believe about God, to, uh, to not, even, not only just have those conversations about that, what that looks like, but an invitation for us to be walking alongside of you during that journey of faith. And maybe you're in a place where you're like, okay, I, I, I think I'm ready to, um, to do something different than what I've been doing before and, and to, to know and experience a little bit more about what it means to live out this good news. And I just want to give that invitation that if that's you, if you're ready to make a change in your life, let us know. We would love to talk to you about what that looks like, uh, why, we, uh, why we baptize people and why we talk about that and why that's a part of, of, of what we do when we say yes to Jesus. Uh, if you have questions about any, any of that, uh, we would love uh, for you to, to let us know. You can go to our velocitychurch.info uh, site and sign up for those things to talk more about that. Um, right now, uh, let me pray for us as we prepare to take uh, communion together. God, we, um, we are thankful that regardless of um, whether or not we're in the perfect position that we want to be with our career, our work, our job, whatever it may be, um, that it still has an infinite value uh, regardless of how we feel about it because of what you do uh, for us through Jesus on the cross. God, we honor uh, you for that. We praise you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.